continue in our, our lessons about having the good life now. And uh, Solomon trying to teach his son how to be able to make good, wise decisions in this life, trying to teach him the proper paths so that he will avoid a lot of the troubles and trials that can come when we make bad decisions. And so Solomon has sat down his son and tries to tell him some of the things that that needs to be done. And I think it is interesting that one of the topics that he deals with is that he talks about good and, and godly parenting. Which, you know, I don't believe you would surmise that he's married here or anything like that. I don't think he was. Because he talks about a lot of the youthful lusts and the youthful decisions. But interesting that the wisdom of Solomon, even at a young age, though perhaps not married and perhaps not having children, he does sit down with his son and tell him, you know, here are the things you need to do to have a good relationship and to be a, a proper parent with your son or with your daughter. And so that's what we're going to look at in this lesson. Now, please, if you don't have children, tune off, turn out, and go to sleep and come back another day. Uh, because I think the, the teachings here are really important in regards to, A, you may have children one day. And so better to learn now, just as Solomon teaching his son ahead of time, not once you're already into the fire of trying to be able to do it on your own. I'm sure Tony feels the way I did. And the first one comes, you say, where's the owner's manual to this thing? Uh, and you go, whoa, <laughs> I need a little bit of help here. And so Solomon does that for his son and says, let me give you some tools. Let me give you some guidelines and teachings that will help you. It also is useful to consider that you and I are to be examples in our society today. And the way parenting has gone on in our society, the more you know about this, about the way God says to teach children and to train children, you can help a lot of people in this world. Because there are a lot of parents who are in a state where they say, I don't know what to do with this thing. <laughs> I don't know uh, what to do. I can't make them do anything. I don't know. And, and, and teachers see that frustration that their parents will take. Them, I don't know what to do. And we can help that even if we don't have children and say, well, you know, the scriptures say that you can do this and you can do these things that will help out. So. Though talking about parenting, I think the lessons will be useful for everyone here. I think it is important to start by looking at Solomon makes a call to training the child. This is a text you and I probably know really well. It is a text that I think we don't know very well, though, because I think it is used improperly on a, on a significant basis. So often we look at this proverb and use it in a retroactive tense and say, okay, because of what this says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Now what Solomon is doing is giving license and saying, now I can go around and look at everybody, and if their child has done well, then clearly they trained their child in the right way, and if their child did badly, then they did not train them the right way, and I do not at all subscribe to thinking. And that is what Solomon taught here by any means. You and I know of kids who did really well, even though their parents were absolute disasters. <laughs> it is not the litmus test to go backward 
And what I would like for you to do is you realize, reread the psalm and cut off at the comma and realize that what Solomon is doing is he is making a command here. Train up the child in the way he should go. And just stop reading right there. This is the command and the duty that God is laying out to parents. You have been given a responsibility and a tremendous task. It is up to you to teach, to train, to set this child up in the way that he should go. And what Solomon, I believe, is doing is he's saying the reward of all that hard work is that when he is older, he will not depart from it. Because the task to train the child is by no means easy. I know this real well now. It's really easy to parent when you don't have kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can't believe you did this. Can't believe you did that. And then when you have children and you go, oh, well, it's all real easy in theory. It's all real easy in the books. And it's all real easy in your mind. It's not the same when they actually come along. And so he's saying, there's going to be some hard work here. And I want you to see the reward of the hard work. When you read that second clause, the second clause is not to go around and torture people and say, well, you must not have done a very good job or you must have, a good, good, must have done a good job. So I know parents have done a real lousy job. And they have great kids. They were good be- despite of their parents. <laughs> despite the foolish things their parents did. No, the task here that Psalm is laying out to his son is he's saying, you train them. You have this responsibility. In fact, that word train, the Hebrew a little bit different, it literally means to narrow. And in a figurative sense, it means to initiate. And so the TNIV, which I highly recommend you never use, but does get it right here. Start the children, start children off the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I don't know start, because that's the figurative meaning of the word, initiate. Start them down the road. Point them in the right direction. And I'm beginning to understand this, this proverb as I was putting this lesson together, uh, because I'm now coaching Paige's soccer team. Bunch of four and five year olds. You know, you can't make them play soccer. We got killed yesterday. (laughs) It was just a bloodbath. You can't make them go kick the ball. You can't make them kick it in the net. You can't do any of that. There's only one thing, and the coach is allowed on the field. Well, that's a good thing, because you just have four- and five-year-olds. There's there's flowers, and look at the grass, and all that. You You know what you get to do? Here's what you can do. Because you'll have kids, they'll be standing the wrong way like this, you know. And I walk up to them and I pick them up. And I turn them this way and I say, there's the ball. Go that way. I can't make him. I can't make him go get the ball. I can't make him kick the ball. I can't make him put it in the net. All I can do is say, that way. <laughs> you go that way. And then they'll go run. I think that's the idea of the proverb. Start them in the right direction. You can't make them make good decisions, but you can turn them and point them and say, go that way. That's the way you have to go. Go that way. Train them in the way they should go. And I think that's what Solomon is saying here to his son. This is what is involved in it, because it's a lot of work to run around and turn kids and say, go that way. And you have to do it a lot. (laughs) And it gets wearing. And especially if you're talking about your own children, for 18 more years of their life, you're constantly telling them, go that way. Go that way. 
But that's what Solomon is saying. Start them in the direction that they need to go. Train them in the way that they need to go. Show them the path that they need to follow. And that's a lot of work, but often it's not the task we want to undertake. We've been given as parents a God-given responsibility to train the child. We are not called to be the child's friend. We're not called to be the child's spoiler, babysitter, or food provider. While a parent does all those things, you can be a food provider and not a parent. You can be a babysitter and not a parent. You can be a spoiler and not a parent. You have to train if you're going to be a parent. And that is the task you and I have to give. It's not enough to say, well, I gave them a home to live in or gave them food and gave them the things that they needed and I made sure they didn't stick their hand on the stove. That's just being a babysitter. That's just being a food provider. A parent teaches and trains. And that's a vast difference. And unfortunately, our society doesn't get that. They, they think parenting is because they have food and shelter. No, that's just a provider. <laughs> and we need parents. We need people who are willing to train. A parent is a trainer who will say, this is the direction you need to go. These are the things that you must do. And as we mentioned, we have a society that does not know what to do with their children. As having children, as you know, you get to spend time with a lot of other parents who have children of the same age. I cannot tell you how many times I hear parents complain, I don't know what to do with my child. I can't make them do anything. I can't make them listen. I can't make them obey. I can't make them do this and I can't make them do that. They, they just won't do it. Train them to do it. They don't come built in with obedience. <laughs> they don't come out and say, I will do whatever you would like me to do. Please tell me. <laughs> just push the buttons in and tell me what to do, please. They just stand there in the living room. What would you like me to do today, Daddy? No, you have to teach them. If you want them to listen, train them to listen. If you want them to obey, train them to obey. If you want them to do what you ask, then you must train them to do that. And unfortunately, what it often comes down to is that as parents, we're often just quite out lazy. I don't want to get up and make them do something. As we talked about a few weeks ago, it's a lot easier for me to pick up the tea set than it is to try to get my children to pick up the tea set. And we talked about taking out the trash. It's a lot easier for me just to go do that and try to teach a child to do that. The task is not the importance, it's the training that's the importance. And that's what we have to understand as parents. It is our responsibility to point them in the right direction. The scriptures tell us how to do that. Solomon does not just simply say, train your child, figure it out. Where's the owner's manual? How do I train my child? What I'm going to show you is that we need to use God's tools. Our society is using an awful lot of tools, an awful lot of books, and awful lots of different things to try to say, here's how you ought to be a parent. And what we're going to look at is Solomon, in great wisdom, tells us how to train our children, how to be the good, godly parents that each and every one of us wants to be. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof 
Give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. I think it's interesting. I'd like to start with the second clause first. What happens when you leave a child alone? You leave the child to their own discretion. You let them uh, without, leave them without direction, without training, without discipline. You know what you will have? Shame. You know how Solomon says that? If you just let them go down the path on their own, you will end up with shame. How many times I think we have a concept that, well, they'll just grow out of being a bully. They'll just grow out of talking back. They will grow out of just being these rebellious, obnoxious, selfish things. No, they won't. They don't grow out of that on their own. You have to train them. You have to instruct them. You have to teach them. And that's what Solomon is saying here. If you just leave them and just kind of hope, if you just hope one day, you know, well, I just hope they kind of grow out of that one day. Huh? It's kind of funny right now that he slugs that other kid, but you know, when they get older, they'll figure it out. No, they won't. They'll just do it when they're older. You wonder why we see the kind of people that we have in society as adults today? Because there's the belief that they'd get better all on by themselves. Well, it doesn't happen. And that's what Solomon says. A child who gets their own way is left alone Bring shame to his mother. I also want to notice the, the two tools that Solomon uses here. He doesn't speak of it much. He just seems to assume this, this knowledge that our society no longer assumes anymore. There are two things that, that give wisdom, Solomon says. There are two tools that God has given parents to be able to train the child in the way that he ought to go. The first tool he speaks of here is the rod. You're going to see and it, I, it, you know, it didn't quite dawn on me until I read these passages. Solomon talks a lot about corporal punishment. <laughs> he talks an awful lot about physical punishment, and it is interesting to me because I, you know, I, you know, I know this one. You know, a couple other ones. You know, always the ones you know don't, don't relent for his wailing and things like that. Those are my, my dad always used on me. Things like that. Uh, but there's a lot, and as we're going to go through, we'll see that. Solomon expected physical punishment, and that makes sense. Grace is only 10 months old. She doesn't know what no means. I cannot sit down with her and rationalize why she shouldn't grab little toys and stick them in her mouth because she's going to choke. I say, no, Grace, you're going to choke if you do that. She'll look at you. you know, no registration there whatsoever of what you're explaining. The only way to teach her not to do that, no. Don't do that. You have to. Otherwise, they're going to hurt themselves. Dad loves telling the story. He's probably told it here for all I can remember. He tells it everywhere else he goes. Now, me trying, as a little baby, trying to eat the plant. You know, I always trying to grab the leaf and stick it, stick it in my mouth and eat the plant. He'd just sit there and whack my hand. No, no, no. Eventually, I quit trying to eat the leaf. <laughs> That's the idea. Physical punishment is required. You can't always rationally explain. That's why parents, you know, we all have said it as children. We will never say to our children, because I told you so. We all said that because we hated it when our parents told us that. Why can't they do it? Because I told you so. Well, what we mean is, because I can't explain it to you. <laughs> You're just going to have to do it. And trust me on this one. I can't explain to you the in and out. You're too immature. To understand. And that's why the rod is needed. Because there are many things in life as parents that you recognize, I can't explain to you the danger of what you're doing. All I can do to save you is to give you the no, don't do that. 
And that's what I think we have Solomon describing here. We need to be able to teach our children these things. One of the largest problems that I see today, and I have to be careful of myself, is that children have learned that disobedience does not bring punishment. They've just learned that. They've just learned, and you've seen it, you may have done it, I have the tendency to want to do it. We go, little Johnny, one, two, little Johnny, stop, stop, and there's no three. Or you say three, and then what? And I just look at you, <laughs> I'm doing whatever I want to do. No punishment for disobedience. Quite honestly, we shouldn't start counting in the first place, because then they learn, I don't have to do what you say until you start counting. We ingrain them with that. So we have to be careful. Disobedience requires punishment. And you and I have to be very careful about them. Sometimes that's where we get lazy. We say something and we just don't want to follow through with it. That puts the onus upon us as parents. If you are going to give a directive and you're going to give an instruction, you better be ready to follow through. If you say, I don't want you to do that, you better be ready to get up off the couch and follow through if they go and do it anyway. Because all you've taught them is to disregard authority. And all that you've taught them is that disobedience brings no punishment. And Solomon is saying here, the rod and reproof gives wisdom. This is how we're going to teach them. We have to get up and train them and to be able to show them. And we can do a good test for ourselves. You want to go find out how you're doing? Let's all go home today. Let's all ask our kids to do something and measure the response. And if they immediately do it, good job. If they look back at you and go, what? If they pitch a fit, if they ignore you, one of my favorites is, oh, I don't hear you. <laughs> I have no idea that you're telling me that. Then we may not be doing a good thing here. They have learned they can get away with things when we say something. <laughs> Friends, as, as they are as children, we are their ultimate authority. And we have to teach them that so that they will respect the authority of society, and most importantly, respect the authority of God. If they don't respect us as authority, they will not respect God as authority, and they will not respect the authority of our society, and you will find your child in prison, and as Solomon just said, he will bring shame to you. We have to see the connection. This is the only place they learn it is in the home. And so we must see what Solomon is trying to teach us here. The second tool is reproof. And I think it's so important to recognize that the two are together. That one without the other is not working out. We have to be able to do both. We have to be able to explain the reasons why. Even though you know they may not like the reasons, we have to be able to give a reason for the rules and for the laws that we have been able to do. And I think that's, that's very important. I have to be able to explain to Jenna why she's receiving the punishment. That's really important for her. She doesn't, she doesn't take, take the spanking, she just brazens her. <laughs> it's funny, you have one key, you think, oh, you got it all figured out. Paige was great. I can't remember the last time I had to give her a spanking. It's been forever. You spanked her once and told her, and she just, she's got the fear of me and her just great. Not Jenna. <laughs> she didn't care. Had to figure out something else. Had to figure out, okay, well, what's going to make you really upset? Figured out nose on the wall was the big punishment there. 
That was going to be the rod to her. Stick her, take her away from all her toys and all her friends and her siblings. Stick her nose on a wall where she can't look at. That, that brought it all. That brought it out. And we have to figure that out. That's hard to do. I like to think, oh, it's one way the whole way. And then when I explain to her the reason why, that works better. Paige doesn't often ask why. Jenna does. <laughs> Jenna wants to know the why. I have to be ready for that. Jenna wanted to know, why can't we listen to, I want to listen to Wheels on the Bus in the van. I want to say, because Wheels on the Bus drives me crazy, and I don't want to listen to Wheels on the Bus anymore. So my answer was, we were almost to church, or just down the street. I'm not going to pull switch CDs right now. I'm not going to do that. So Jenna, no, you can't listen to Wheels on the Bus because we're, we're almost to church. There's a reason. Little things. I could just say no. Well, but here we see reproof, explanation. We need to be able to give explanation to the things that we're doing. And with the physical punishment, explanation ought to be given so that the child completely understands why you received this punishment because you did this, because you did not do the things that I just said, because you went and did this. We have to explain that. And I think that's important. And it's easy for us to be lopsided. Some of us want to throw the rod part off of the tool and just simply explain some of us don't want to do any reproof whatsoever and just, just break out the rod. Solomon says there are two things that give wisdom. These two things hand in hand work. There must be physical punishment. There must be explanation. These two together will do the work. I like the Proverbs 20 and verse 30. Physical punishment cleanses away evil. Discipline purifies the heart. I was asking, will we argue with the wisdom of God? So we have a tendency to rethink that, you know, physical punishment, our society really tells us this, this might be where we get it, that physical punishment, well, we're just being just outright cruel to our kids to be able to do something like that. And here we have the sentence that you know, physical punishment cleanses away evil. And if you don't think that's God's wisdom, if you think, you know, God might have just been a little bit wrong, that, you know, the rod, that's just really not a tool we should use, that, you know, physical punishment, that's, that's being a little rough. I want us to remember that that's what God does to us as adults. Hebrews 12, verse 5 and 6, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by Him. For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. I had to go click on that word scourge. That's what that word means. I'm up fell down. That word means scourge. I wasn't just being a little rough with the word right there. That, that's, there's only one translation for that right there. God says, because I love you, I physically discipline you. That's what Elihu told Job. Elihu told Job. The Lord will use difficulties in life to bring us back from the pit. He will cause traumas sometimes to happen in life to try to save our souls from the destruction we are going down. That's what he's saying right here. He scourges every son. Why? Because he loves him. He's trying to get us to go down the right path. Should we disregard the wisdom that God uses toward us and not apply the same concept toward our children? That's what the Lord is saying here, and He tells us that physical punishment cleanses away evil. Such discipline purifies the heart. We have to be willing to do that as parents. Uh, the first time I had to do that with Paige, I think that really did break my heart more than anything else. Uh, I now understand when parents say, this, this hurts me than it hurt more than it hurts you. Kids, I know you don't think so. It does. <laughs> it does. 
man, it is brutal to have to do that. But you do it because it's in their best interest. And you and I have to remember that as parents. We're not called to be friends. We're called to be parents. And while I want to be a friend with my child, I also have to be their trainer. I also have to teach them properly. And they need that kind of reproof. They need that kind of rebuke. They need that straightening out from time to time. Thankfully, hopefully, not always. I know some that's not true. We we can get some kids with a real stubborn streak. I'm wondering about Grace. She's pretty stubborn. But you use the tools enough, and then all that you'll have to do is say the words, and they'll respond. That's not always 100% the case. But often, if we can set the tone that you need to do what I say, then hopefully they'll respond to that, and it will be easier in our teaching of them. Proverbs 22.15 Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. I like that because you know what our society tells us? Let your children express themselves. They're just trying to express themselves. Let them be the individual that they are. Let them be terrors of society. <laughs> no, foolishness is in the heart of the child. They are not in, it, in their own minds nor intuitively going to do what's right. You and I have to realize that intuitively our children do not know what to do. They will not do intuitively what is right. That's why we have to train. That's why we narrow the options, as the word literally means. And we initiate the path they have to go down. That's the idea of what's being said. Foolishness is in their heart. You want to know how to get rid of it? I know you're cringing, right? One of God's tools is put up there. He's not saying beat your kids senseless. He's saying physical discipline is required, though. You're going to have to swat them when they're little and tell them no. And you're going to have to follow through when you tell them to do something and they don't do it. You have to do it. Otherwise, what are they going to do? They're going to be a fool and continue in foolishness. How many of these proverbs have we done, ladies and gentlemen? How many of these proverbs that we have done that talked about the fool and their destruction? Now the fools will be destroyed. You don't want to be around fools. Don't follow the path of the fool. And notice what he's telling you here is that if you do not discipline with the tools that God has given, with physical punishment and reproof, what is going to happen? You are going to have a fool. That's what he's telling you. Because foolishness is in the heart of the child and there's only one way to get it out. And if you don't get the foolishness out, there's still going to be fools. As parents, it's our job to drive it out of them. And so it's a very important responsibility that sometimes we don't want to go under because, I know, it's it's work. It's emotionally painful to have to discipline. We don't want to do that. Especially a long, long day of work, you come home, the last thing you want to do is have to discipline them. Stick Jenna's nose on the corner. I don't want to do that. I want to roll around the floor and hug on them. I don't want to have to do that. I have to do that. Discipline's required to be able to drive foolishness out of their heart. And so the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Remember this one. Discipline your son while there is hope. Do not set your heart on his destruction. I'm obviously a work in progress with parenting, but I'm beginning to see what you all say about how short the time is. It's not 18 years old, it's even shorter pages approaching five and I began to think that's your first window right there that about somewhere about five years old is you lose the first big percentage 
of work you're, and molding you're able to accomplish. A lot is lost. Those first few years are the utmost importance because as they move past five and they get into school, you've lost a lot already. And so he says, discipline your son while there's hope. And I want you to see what he says there. Do not set your heart on his destruction. How are you setting your heart on his destruction, friends? By not disciplining. You and I think we're causing so much destruction by reproving, rebuking them, giving them punishments. We think, oh, that's just so terrible. No, it's the other way around. If you don't, look what's going to happen. You're putting your heart on their destruction. I like how the NLT, the New Living Translation, said, discipline your children while there is hope. If you don't, you'll ruin their lives. That's, that's really the 21st century way of saying, setting your heart on their destruction. You will destroy them. You just let them go down any road they want to go down, and you don't turn them and say, uh-uh, you can't do that. You have to go down this road. So you just, just, just stand back and, well, you know, the kids are going to be kids, you know. They're going to ruin their lives. Psalm is being very serious. And he's just saying, you have to see that. And we often want to think that children just can figure it out on their own. And they're not. He's saying they're not going to at all. By any means. Discipline your children while there is still hope. Notice it again, 29.17. I told you there's a lot of these. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Here is a positive reminder about why we need to train our children, discipline our children, to use the tools that God has given us, physical punishment and reproof. The reason why is, look at this. He'll give you rest. He'll give you delight to your heart. Parents, is there not a greater joy than watching your children doing well? Anything that can bring you more happiness than watching your children do well That's that's what he's saying right here. Do the the labor now. It's worth it. Put in the hard work. Don't set your heart on their destruction. Put in the hard work now. Uh, Well said. You're only as happy as your unhappiest child. (laughs) It's pretty true. (laughs) However, the worst of them is doing in life is as happy as you could be as a parent. Because you care so much. And so he's saying, discipline them while you have the chance. Teach them while you have the chance. How about this? Whoever spares the rod, Proverbs 13, 24, hates his son. Our society says if you spare the rod, you love your son. Don't physically punish them. Don't stick their nose in the corner. Don't swap their hand. Don't don't use these things. Just let them be free spirit. Let them express themselves. If they feel like screaming at the top of their lungs for five minutes in the restaurant, kids have got to yell. No. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. You let them do whatever they want to do, you're hating your child. You know, God doesn't let us do whatever we want to do. Remember that? God does not just, you know, this would be a real, real easy book if God, you know, Verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and you do what you want to do. And <laughs> God doesn't love us like that. He'd hate us if he just said, eh, just do whatever you want to do, and I'll cast you to eternal damnation. He loves us. He says, here's what you have to do. Parents, we have to do the same thing to our children. If we love them, 
here's the rules. Here's the boundaries. Here's the things that you have to do if you're going to be acceptable in society and acceptable to God. This is the one Dad always pulled on me. <laughs> I can't help but laugh at it because he'd always enjoy he'd always enjoy the funny thing to him. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from death. <laughs> That's always, he won't die. How can I kill him? <laughs> Physical punishment is required to be able to train the child. You need to be able to do that early on to develop respect so that later in life they will listen to your reproof, the two tools he's talking about. You start off with the physical punishment early so that when they be, are a- older and able to understand and you explain to them right and wrong and why to do something, they will respect that because you are the authority that you have established when they are young. And that's, I think, all Solomon is saying here. By doing this, read that last sentence carefully. You're going to rescue a soul from death. He's talking about you're not going to... You are going to help them from destroying their lives. I like the NLT here. Don't fail to correct your children. They won't die if you spank them. You probably need to tell people that. It's funny that the New Living Translation runs it like that. Because that's, I think, the idea of exactly what Solomon was telling his son. Physical discipline may well save them from death. The emotional... pain it is to physically discipline our children along with the time and effort it takes to get up off the couch and to teach them and train them is far excuse me far worth it than them destroying their lives it's far worth it you and I need to take advantage of the opportunities we have right now because it slips by so quickly. I want to leave you then with the three things that I really think Solomon laid out. Parents, you and I have a God-given responsibility to start our children down the right path. I think that's the power of the proverb that we have memorized. Train the child in the way he should go. That is a God-given command. You and I have to set them down the right road. I can't make them go kick the soccer ball in the net, but I can keep turning their body over and over and over again and point them back in the right direction and say, you've got to go that way. That's what he's saying here. Parents, don't get weary turning them around and turning them around and turning them around and set them down the right path. Second, I want us to see we are violating God's law if we refuse to use God's tools. Now that might sound real hard, but I just, we just did, what, eight, ten proverbs and all said to correct your child, to discipline your child, to use the rod and to use reproof. Friends, we're violating those laws if we choose not to do that. It's as simple as that. This was not a suggestion that God sent along as an appendix and says, I think this would be a good idea one day. This is what God commanded us as parents to do. We must use physical discipline. We must give explanation and reproof to teach our children. We have no option. If we are going to be compliant to the laws of God, then we must do this. Use the tools 
God has given us. And friends, you'll not only bring joy to your own life, you'll bring joy to your children's life when you administer these things. Obviously, we can't say 100%, well, they're all going to always do what's right because of our training. One, as parents, we don't train perfectly. We'll all raise our hand and say that. We didn't do exactly what we had hoped. We all envision it before we have kids that we will be the perfect parent and we will never do this and we will always do that. And it doesn't work. You know, it's all good in the manual, but it's not in practice. Train the child, though. The odds are better that your child will go down the right road if you'll put in the work now. And that'll bring great joy to your life if you'll do that. Put in the work. Put in the effort. Don't be lazy with your children. And I think it's important for us to see that is the role, that is the work of a parent. If there's anything you go home with today, be a parent. Don't be a pushover. God has called you to be a parent. And you are reflecting the authority of God in what you teach them. So that one day they will respect the authority of God when it really matters. Pull your song books out. I'm going to sing a song out of invitation. I want you to see God's laws are practical. God's laws are useful to everyday living. He has not set us on this planet to try to fend for ourselves and to figure out the way we ought to go. The Proverbs are full of wisdom to show us what you and I ought to do and how to make right and proper decisions. If you haven't been making those good decisions, you haven't been following the wisdom that Solomon has laid out, you can start today. Don't throw in the towel and say, well... The first four, six, nine, twelve, fifteen years are gone. Turn them down the right road. Point them in the right direction. Sit them down. Say, you know, I should have taught you better. Didn't do very good back here, but I'm going to start showing you now the things you ought to do. They'll appreciate that. How many times did we as our, as kids wish our parents would have just apologized and said, you know, I, did, I blew it right there? We would have respected that. Our children respect us and say, you know what, I didn't do that right there, but let's get that fixed. Let's be the good godly parents that God has helped us to be and instructed us to be. And I want you to think about your eternal salvation most importantly. Are you in compliance with God's laws? Have you been keeping the things that he has declared? Have you submitted your life to Jesus Christ? Or do you look at his laws and you pick some that you like and some you don't? Some make sense and some you don't want to follow. That's not obedience and that's not submission. Turn to the Lord today, fully trusting him with all of your heart. Decide that I'm going to do what he has commanded. I'm going to give my life to him. It's such a blessed thing to see Amy do that just a couple of days ago. She made such a tremendous decision. She's going to give her life to God. Won't you do that? Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins right now. Always stand in the Holy Spirit.